And you're listening to Free Picks, the Fantasy W podcast. Today, I'm joined by Liam and Will as we go through GWS. How's it going, guys? Good, thank you. Very, very good. Very excited to talk about another interesting club. How do you think they're going to go this year? Oh, pretty terribly. But, you know, Cross makes uh, cross makes opportunity. <laughs> yeah, sure does. They've lost a lot of players, but that makes them uh, even more interesting from a fantasy perspective because there's roles to be filled. Mm, yeah, lots going on here. Um, why don't you start off with the club overview then, Will? Yeah, so GWS, one of the original clubs, started back in 2017. Uh, they've struggled to have any sustained team success, a lot in part due to player movement. Their highest finish was fourth in the 2018 season when there was only the first two teams go through to the flag, so they've never played finals. And last year they only had, or last season rather, only had two wins for the entirety of the competition and really struggled to, to kick a winning score. Going to be coached by Cameron Bernasconi, who was the head of the Giants Academy since 2020, and they're captained by Alicia Eva. Cameron Bernasconi is going to be a new coach for season seven, but has been hanging around the club for a couple of years. So starting off with the defence line then, is there anyone to even talk about here? Maybe, but to be honest, we, we don't know because just about half of their defence from last year has left to Sydney and Hawthorne. And even then, it was not a particularly strong defence last year. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're basically being held up by two veteran defenders in uh, Tanya Hetherington and Anna Lister. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how their back line shapes up this season because there's been a lot of movement out of there. Is there anyone fantasy relevant? Yeah, so the main one is Nikki Barr, former number one draft pick. She played kind of all across the ground because being one of their classier players, they had to throw her where they needed her. And I mean, she had quite a bit of variability in terms of her scoring last year. So she had an average of just under 54, which for a defender is pretty good. Mm. Uh, And to be honest, was fairly consistent when she was scoring well. And I say that with the caveat of when she got thrown forward for a couple of rounds, her scoring was dreadful. And I can say this from experience because I copped those two dreadful ones after bringing her in. I was going to say, didn't you bring her in? I remember you talking about her a lot. I sure did. So she went on a a run of scores where she looked like becoming one of the the better defenders in the competition. So she scored two consecutive 50s, 58, 59, 73 and a 64. And I was thinking, fantastic. We've got a value defender here. The next week I was at this game. So I know firsthand was against Melbourne at Casey Fields and she got stuck up forward. She was on about 20 points at three quarter time and managed to get away up to 42. And then the next week against the Premier's Adelaide, she scored 25. At this point, I was a bit disappointed. Did you drop her? I didn't drop her. I couldn't afford to drop her. And in the end, it actually worked out okay. She went back to the the flank and ended up scoring uh, a 54, a 61 and a 70 to finish off the season. So... Hmm. She'll probably be likely be listed as a defender again this season, but could also be listed as a forward. Either way, if she does get that role where she can be a bit around the ball, get a bit of midfield time, she is a relevant player to look at. Would you say she's underpriced then, given she's got those couple of shockers in there? 
Yeah, I, I definitely say she is underpriced, but she comes with just an enormous red flag, which is the reason why she went forward is as a classy player and a former number one pick. GWS were desperate for goals that weren't coming from Cora Staunton, who, whilst being a top five finisher in the leading goal scorer, is the oldest player in the competition and over 40. So the idea was there to try and push some additional players up forward who could potentially kick a few. I think the, the issue there is the prop, the same problem that Will ran into last year, which is a player that you can be, say, think can average 60, 65, classy player. They want the ball in their hands. The problem you run into is if they're up forward in a team that we don't expect to do very well and trying to play very deep, the, the, the scoring there is non-existent. It's a 40. I hear her being described as a classy player a few times. What do we mean by that? So, yeah, she's a classy player in that when she gets the ball in her hands, she makes the right decisions. She's a, a good kick, can hit up those targets, and is also quite creative. So won't just take the the easy kick. She's able to, to bite off something a bit more um, a bit more daring, which can set up an attacking play. Unfortunately for a team like GWS, who are in the, in the lower end of the competition, these things don't always pan out. So mm-hmm. you need to have those classy players where they can really affect the play, and that's why she did get thrown up forward a bit. If we hear anything in the preseason, though, that kind of guarantees a roll down back, then potentially could be your D3 or even potentially your D2. As someone that can average 65 in a team that is pretty ropey and the ball will be down in the back line a lot, I, we anticipate the ball could be in her hands a fair bit. Didn't we say her average was 54? No, as, in, as a defender, she averaged 60. 65. Oh, right. Of her time when she was playing in defence. When she's a defender, she averages 65, which is 10-point unders, and in that kind of top six defender range. I think one of the other things is she was listed in the forward line more often than she was in the back line. So there's actually a big chance she does become a forward. If she's Mm. on either of those lines, I think she's definitely someone to keep an eye on. She, She could come out have a, a friendly role. She did run through the midfield just because you want your classy players around the ball. If she is playing through that midfield and is listed as either a forward or a defender, she's someone that could average that sort of mid sixties and get you a bit of a bit of money and be a value pick. And will probably also be quite a unique pick because a lot of the GWS players probably aren't going to be as highly picked amongst fantasy coaches. You want consistency of role and Unfortunately for, for Nikki, that's something that hasn't been the case for her, as we said. So it's definitely going to be watch for, watch for the early form, watch in preseason, watch those first few rounds, and she might be a player that you can bring in relatively cheaply in the earlier rounds if she is starting scoring pretty well. Sounds good. Anyone else that you want to talk about in defence? Not really? I think the big thing there is it's the absence of defenders means that if any of the rookies that mm. GWS picked up this year or last year that we haven't seen, we really haven't heard much out of them about who's going to play key defence, I think it could be a situation where if you're looking for your final bench rookie, a GWS key defender might be someone that you throw in or could be a, just a downgrade target after a couple of rounds. In all of our starting sides last year, we started with key defender at North Melbourne in Jazz Ferguson. Same idea. We heard in the preseason that she was going to be guaranteed to slot in as the last defender in the team. Got a couple of 40s and 50s for us to start the season. Stayed in our side for five rounds. 
made double the money that she started with, and then she was gone for a more established player. You want to follow that same formula. The caveat to that is that just about the only position that GWS didn't draft in this last year's draft was a key defender. So at the moment, it's an unknown, but it's a watch this space unknown. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also one of those things where because we, we genuinely have no idea how that backline is going, going to form up, it may even be that some of the senior players get thrown back there. We know players like Catherine Smith have played as a, as a small defender in previous seasons. She used to be a small defender for Melbourne, currently playing as a small forward, so will likely be listed as a forward. So she may end up be one of those players that ends up going back. Hasn't got a, a great fantasy pedigree, but look out for players who are changing into that role because if the ball is down there a fair bit for GWS, there may be a surprise a surprise bargain pick that comes out of this whole player exodus for GWS. That's a good, good way to describe it. So moving on to the mids then, this, this line's getting a bit more a bit more interesting. Starting off with Alicia Eva, I know you brought her in, I think as your Bowers downgrade last season. Leah? Yeah, so Alicia Eva, so the captain, and another, much like Emily Bates, midfielder that looks like a big fish in a small pond. When I brought her in last year, kind of trickled along though, just at that 79 to 80 range but had very low ownership throughout the year. Someone that can go big, and I think the week before I bought her in, she'd gone 100-plus, but unfortunately then just kind of trickled in between 60s and 80s and suffered from a problem that you see sides struggle with in AFLM, which is if they're a really average team and they struggle to have the ball, the key midfielders don't have an opportunity to get those extra junk possessions to turn 75 into a 90 and that's where you you truly find those elite midfielders and unfortunately Alicia Eva and to some degree as well Elise Parker have that same issue throughout the year yeah you brought in Alicia Eva based on some some really good scoring across the first five rounds she's hit 100 twice 107 in round one which was a, a, a big score out of the blocks also 105 in round five 285s in between and a 59 so that kind of shows what you're talking about Liam where definitely has the potential to go really big, but also if they're not doing so well in terms of how the team's going, the game where she scored 59 was against one of the better teams in North Melbourne. She mightn't be able to hit those ceilings. And that's, that's what we saw later in the season for you, Liam, where she didn't pass 80 again for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and I think it was just a situation as well where JWS was really struggling. And even in a game where I was expecting her to go big against St Kilda, St Kilda finally pulled it out of the bag and I'm pretty sure that was their first win of the year as well, and they had no real high fantasy scoring either. So it was a pod to have, but if I pick a Tilly Lucas Rod at the same time last year to uh, to pair up with uh, to pair up with Batesy, I'll probably get close to uh, to to coming first. That's probably a big point of difference, but also someone that clearly can score very highly and fits into a similar category of player that we've been talking about with, say, an Alison Drennan as well. Kind of sits in that awkward range, might have a few average games to start the beginning of the year. But if we see a good run of form, will be an upgrade for your rookies. So the two other midfielders in this GWS midfield are probably much more interesting from a fantasy perspective because of the amount of money that they could make based on their average last season. So Alicia Eva probably going into this season around about 
the top price that she's going to get. Mm. So if, you, if you're interested in Alicia Eva, you're probably just going to be sitting on the same price throughout the whole year. The two players that I'm, I'm particularly interested in are Elise Parker and Rebecca Beeson. Both of them had down years last year for different reasons, and both of them could present some value in your midfield. Yeah, so Beck Beeson, she gets a discount, doesn't she, because of the number of games she played? Does someone want to walk us through that complex situation? If you miss games last year, you receive a discount on your price stat score. Um, and that formula generally works that if you miss 10 games, you get a 30% discount on your price stat score. And then for every game that you play after that, you get a 6% reduction on that 30%, so 24-18. Beck Basin played only four games last year which means she gets a 6% discount on her price stat score of 67, which puts her in roughly 63. However, the reason why that's super interesting as well is that baked into that score is a score in the 30s when she was injured. Mm, so it could be well underpriced. No, her, her injury score was a 25. She got a 25 in round two when she injured her ankle and a 42 when she returned. Beyond that, she scored a 70 and an 80. And she's coming off a breakout year in season five in 2021, where she took her average all the way up to 77. She can average 77 at this season, season seven, and she's priced at 63. That's huge. Yeah. And I think that means that she fits into your kind of target in your starting side. If you were to think this is a point of difference at your M3 position or M2, as in someone that you think can probably get up to the range that Alicia Eva is at now, that 79-80 range from a position that's 15 to 20 points underpriced, which if you're going to say that, uh, you know, Beck Beeson can get up to 80, someone who is relatively young will improve and has a few pretty terrible scores baked into a discount as well. She's someone that you could definitely target. So how does that, so like you say M2, M3, that's a, that's a pretty big deal to be considering her for that role. How does the fact that GWS are a pretty crap team play into having a uh, one of their midfielders as your M2, M3? Uh, yeah, it, it, come, it means that if you do do it, it could be the pick that completely ruins your season, but it could be one that shoots you up the rankings really early because ownership is going to be super low. Outside of uh, the ruck for GWS, I don't anticipate there being a lot of fantasy-relevant GWS players, so ownership across the board is going to be low. But if you can pick a lowly-owned player as your pod who makes you a lot of cash, that's super helpful in only a 10-round season. Yeah, for sure. And and for me, Becky Beeson is right up there on my shortlist at the moment. It's going to depend on your your price structures and how you, f- you fill out your team. But the thing about GWS is... They've got a, a good midfield and that's about it. Someone has to get the ball. So I reckon you could probably see all any or all of these three in Eva Parker, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and Rebecca Beeson all hitting those averages above 70. There's just no one else that's really getting it. You say so, someone else has to get the ball, the competition? Like, <laughs> GWS not guaranteed. There, there was a fair bit of that last year. Sure. <laughs> Someone has to get the ball for GWS is what I mean. So I think they've got a couple of high possession midfielders. So I think they'll rely heavily on those players to get the ball. And that suits us from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. You mentioned um, Parker before. Is she another one you're looking at? Yeah. Parker's a player who just from a 
football perspective is one of my favorite players to watch. She really was that prototype for the big inside midfielder that we now see coming through in players like Charlie Rowbottom, Montana Ham. She was the one that sort of was the first to really be that sort of player coming through the draft at least. So the reason I'm interested in Elise Parker is that she had an average of 75 last season, which is still pretty good in that she's also got a score from the last round of the season in which she scored a 29. So that takes her average down a little bit, but she's shown in the past that she can be an elite scorer average 90 in 2021, including 400s. So I think she's one of those players that if you wanted to take a bit of a risk going for a player who's slightly higher priced, but can also possibly reach those slightly higher scores Elise Parker is one that, for me, could get that job done. Another important thing to flag with Parker is the only real tackler on GWS, so kind of baked into even some of her more average scores of last year, total tackles of 9, 7, 6 and 8 across the year, which, given we flagged multiple times now, that wet weather football and wet weather games as a winter, early springtime season more contested ball, more inside stuff, and as a result, probably more tackles. Elise Parker is someone that you'd want to be watching out for and could be a pod midfielder in your side. What happened in round nine? I was literally about, literally about to pull that up. And so the other thing about Elise Parker is in that round nine match where she did score 27, she was concussed. Mm. So she that was an injury-affected game. So that's something else to consider is that if you take out that score, her lowest score for the year was a 62. So she's very consistent. Mm. But last year, she didn't quite hit those really big 100 scores that she was the previous year. Yeah, she is actually one of the most consistent mids I've seen from some of these charts. Yeah, and, and what's interesting as well is that some of her bigger scores came against better sides where she was probably or probably more contested possessions like against Adelaide, which was her highest score of the year. And then additionally, decent scores against Fremantle and North Melbourne, again, with decent tackle numbers in the North Melbourne game. I think the problem that you kind of get with it, and I don't think like, as much as we kind of talk up play like this, but we, we're really reliant on GWS actually being around the ball enough. And I, I just don't can't say it with enough chest that I think that they're, you know, a player you want to own. Yeah, I think for me, Rebecca Beeson's probably the more interesting player because she's much more on the run and spread than Parker. Parker's really the contested ball winner. So she was regularly hitting plus 10 contested disposals against some really good contested footy sides. So she had 13 contested disposals against Adelaide last year, who were one of the best in the competition. And in those games were the ones that she was hitting those tackles as well. But if, if they are getting beaten to the ball, tackles are great. We love seeing the tackles. But for, for a midfielder to be hitting those really big scores, you need consistent disposals as well. I feel like at this point as well, we should probably talk about some players who will probably get forward status who may be around the midfield throughout the season. The first one I want to talk about is their number one draft pick in Zelly Goldsworth. I think the key number to take away from her is an average of 110 in the NAB League. Now, that's 110 in the NAB League in less, in, you know, in shortened quarters. That is monster levels of scoring. Mm. If this what? is someone who gets 
forward status rotates through the forward and even then in a forward line with almost no one there to take opportunities away from her, preseason watch could be within the top three players. I, I even think that she's possibly a, worth a look as a bench uh, rookie as a midfielder. I think she's going to get plenty of game time in for GWS, probably get a bit of time through that middle. Um, so is probably someone that you can put on your radar as a bench rookie. What went into that 110? Like what's driving up her score so much? Is it a bit of bit of everything? Average 25 disposals, four marks, nine tackles, and nearly two goals. Per game? Yep. Average yep. two. Wow. Huge. So really filling out that stat line. Yep. Awesome. So as you can probably tell, if she's on the park, can clearly score a bunch of points. And unlike last season where we were really struggling to find forward rookies who were also going to roll through the midfield, we ended up relying upon the GOAT that is Tara Bohana. But that was a bit of a specky pick at the beginning of the year. If we've got ourselves a forward who clearly can dominate the ball, have a whole bunch of tackles and kick bags, she's almost a lock for F4 if she plays round one. GWS, to me, are a team that need young players to just get games into. And a talent like Zali Goldsworthy, I think, just has to play for GWS. She's got a great name, too. Love Zali. Well, you say that she's got a good name. There is also the best name for an inside midfielder, an inside bull in, in sport history, and that's Tess Cattle. Now, Tess Cattle may not may end up being fantasy relevant, only average 30 points in the under-18s. But by God, if she gets a game, particularly at the back end of the season, and we're trying to do the double loop with the utility, she is in. She's 100% in my team. Oh, where did she come from? Um, she came from the GWS um, development squad. Yeah, maybe, maybe she'll be the key defender because also played a little bit as a defender. But... Just an elite name. The one other player, not a genuine rookie, but a young up-and-coming player that we want to talk about as a midfielder who's played through the forward line is Hannan Zrika. So she played mostly on the wing, but also a bit across the half-forward flank and as a forward pocket. Very crafty player. Wasn't a huge averaging player last season. Only averaged 47. But what sort of gets me a bit more interested was she was hitting the 60s fairly regularly for a player that wasn't necessarily always around the ball. Yeah, it looks super, again, like a classy play with the ball in their hands and really looks to kind of manoeuvre their way around that high half-forward wing position. Probably someone where we're trying to scrape for super fantasy-relevant players in a team where we think we might struggle, but just someone to watch for, even just from the enjoyment of GWS's game style in what we anticipate to be a losing season, someone who will be entertaining to watch with the ball in their hands. And I think also definitely much more relevant if they do get that forward status. If they're, if they're listed as just a midfielder, that's not going to be worth your time. As a forward, if she can push her average into the 50s, you've all of a sudden got a player who could be pushing towards the top 10 of forwards. Yeah, <laughs> true. As we saw last year, there's a large amount of congestion. And there, it seems like in the, in the forwards and defenders, there's a lot of congestion between the kind of 50 to 60 range. The, the pure midfielders who are listed as defenders and forwards kind of go on to that 70, 80 range, as we saw with Gabby O'Sullivan, Beck Webster, and Emma Swanson. But then when we're talking about Eloise Jones, Eloise Jones was only a low 60s average. 
if someone is consistently hitting 60s, particularly in upgrade season, they're a relevant player. They're someone that you probably want to have known about before then. We've talked a bit about that. Let's just quickly move on to the forwards. So we've got one main forward that we need to talk about, less from a fantasy perspective than just from a, a general footballing perspective. We mentioned them before, but Cora the scorer, Staunton. Great name. Also great to watch. I really enjoy watching her. I think she kind of typifies the come from another sport, moves different, doesn't mm. appear to have the same running patterns, the same like hip wiggles to get players around them. He's an elite dummy seller for someone over the age of 40. But unfortunately, the key forwards are already a diminished for, uh, diminished position in AFL W fantasy. And as a result, there's no one fantasy relevant who's a pure forward, I would say, at JWS. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But if you are watching JWS, watch out for Cora Staunton because, gee, she's good to watch. Agreed. Uh, so now onto the, the area that we've all been waiting to discuss, uh, the Rucks, because we finally have... Finally. Rucks. Thank goodness. <laughs> there is a fantasy-relevant Ruck. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not oh. just an upgrade target. Uh, those listeners don't get to witness what I just witnessed, but it was all arms up in the air in celebration of this next topic. <laughs> Take us away, Liam. Uh, rookie Bryce Ruck in Fleur Davies in a team that I think I'm right in saying of the players who had a hit out last year at GWS, there were five, four of them no longer play on the team. In the stat about having hit outs, that includes Libby Graham, who is less than 100 centimetres tall and a key defender who they had to have chop out in the ruck sometimes. Like, this is a player who will get an opportunity to play. Did you just say less than 100 centimetres tall? 180 centimetres. I was going to say. Yeah, they've, they've lost their two main rucks. They've lost Erin McKinnon, who's a former All-Australian. She's been traded to St Kilda. And they've also lost Ellie Morford, who's gone to the Swans, who has really considered that that next option, the real talent that was going to come through and be that long-term ruck. So it's a massive hole and one that, a young draftee is probably going to have to fill almost immediately. What's going to be interesting to watch is the fact that this is not someone who went, you know, pick 20. This is someone who went pick 64. Now there could be a bolter that we don't know about. We don't say that we know everything. And it could be a situation where there's someone else who starts in a ruck and Fleur Davies, who's played juniors, but he's still quite young, might be an up and comer and fantasy relevant next year. We don't anticipate there being many other options at JWS. And as a result, someone that we will probably want in our teams. I would like to just add a caveat, though. Pick 64, very much dependent on the way that the state-based draft is. She was still considered one of the best ruck very prospects true, very true. in the entire draft. And that's why I have confidence that she will probably start the season as JWS's number one ruck and will probably hold that role throughout the season simply because she's the best option they have. I think the big reason why we're so excited to have fantasy relevant rucks is as you've probably noticed by now, if you've been listening to all of these team breakdowns, a lot of the problem we have with the rucks is there's no one that we see is truly being able to take that next step. The one player that if they are listed as a ruck has truly that potential. Who's an already existing player is Eden Zanka for Melbourne. You'll hear about her in a couple of, in a couple of days, but I think the important thing here is that if you get a player who, if they go up pick 62, they are basement price. They are going to be one of the cheapest players in the game. All you need is that player to average 40, 
which as a ruck is not particularly difficult to do. You need to have a couple of tackles, 20 hit outs, and in a game where there are a large number of ruck contests, rookie rucks are just pure gold. Especially ones that can almost compete with your more premium priced ones, which if, if she can push an average over 40, we'll put her straight into that fantasy relevant category regardless of her price. So I think she's one to not only keep an eye on this season, but long-term is a, is a real prospect for GWS. Last season I brought in um, Anya Tig as my ruck in um, the first round and kept her the whole time because she was a moneymaker. And then I also didn't really know what to do in terms of upgrade options. I uh, wasn't really sure what was going on there. But, yeah, this, uh, Fleur Davies could be a uh, same type of role for us, which is exciting. Anya Tig was one of three, if not four, you know, fantasy relevant, basically basement price rucks. There was Leah Cutting at St Kilda, Olivia Fuller at Geelong. There was Tiger at Fremantle. And then Alison Downey, who's severely discounted after a few years sitting, you know, basically on the bench at Carlton. Yeah, and it's just so difficult to upgrade to those true top-of-the-line rucks like a Brianne Moody that if you're – only going to be able to get up to a player who averages maybe 10 more. Why wouldn't you use that money to get somewhere, someone better somewhere else? Mm. Uh, and that was really a challenge. One other ruck that you didn't mention was uh, Sarah LeKay from. Oh, West of course. Coast, yeah. Who the West coast ruck situation is quite similarly interesting. So we'll talk about that in a, in a few episodes time, but yeah, to have a rookie ruck looking like the number one ruck option for GWS, it's, it almost makes her a must have. Fleur Davies, along with a couple of other rucks who are on some of the expansion teams, are probably going to be manning your R1 and your R2. Could even be in your utility spot. They're going to be that kind of valuable as basement price players. Well, very exciting. Can't wait to uh, get our teams ready so that we can start slotting our people in. Yeah, it's great to see Liam getting super excited about rucks. It warms my heart. Well, I've got the list of ins and outs here, and the outs list is quite long. So rather than running through them all, uh, is there anyone that we want to talk about that we haven't already? We've mostly talked about the the ruck outs and the key defender outs. So Libby Graham and also Louise Stevenson, who's going to Hawthorne. The in that we haven't talked about, mainly because they won't be playing this this season, mm-hmm. is Izzy Huntington. And Izzy Huntington is a player that coming off an ACL next season is going to be super relevant to fill one of these holes, possibly in the back line, possibly in the forward line. She's that talented. but for now, they're, they're really going to have to try and plug some holes in creative ways. So that's it for our Greater Western Sydney Giants breakdown. Now that we get to end on the happy note that is a fantasy-relevant ruck. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to be talking our way through Melbourne. So make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You get notified when that comes out. You'll also be able to find the Best 21 or our proposed Best 21 for GWS on our socials, which are free kick w pod on insta and twitter make sure to drop us a question if you have any about gws you can find me on twitter at lm tom one i'm on insta as hi mel d and i'm on instagram at will h underscore vi awesome we'll chat soon thanks team. Nice.